The Bay Area has a rich film history, but the future of the film industry as a whole is looking a bit fuzzy. Worldwide, studios are struggling. DVD sales are flagging, and piracy continues to be a thorn in the industry's side. Film advocacy groups have tried PSAs. Digital piracy and product counterfeiting are not victimless crimes. The financial repercussions are huge. Show the world that piracy doesn't work. Do it. Meanwhile, the industry has tried to go the congressional route and pass anti-piracy legislation. But none of these strategies has been especially effective, and revenue from ticket sales continues to trend steadily downwards, dropping by almost a billion dollars between 2009 and 2011. But here's an even more telling statistic. The number of actual tickets sold in 2011 was the lowest it's been since 1995. People just aren't going to the theaters like they used to, and this has hit independent movie theaters in San Francisco especially hard. Take a left here, Jamie. Before he got in our car today, KLW's Jamie Katsufa stopped by a few of San Francisco's iconic independent movie theaters, past and present, to see what sort of changes they were making to stay in business. Hey, Jamie, turn the music down, will you? And tell us your story. Take a walk down any major street in San Francisco, and you'll see them. Dead movie theaters. Corpses. It's hard not to shudder when you walk past one. The door is locked and covered with plywood, the entrance collecting tin cans and old newspapers. The theater's once grand marquee, now deprived of the electricity needed to power the lights, seems gaudy and hubristic. These are dark times for movie theaters. July 25th, 2011. The Red Vic Theater became the city's latest victim. It had just turned 31 years old. When I arrived on the scene, San Francisco's iconic Haight Street, the theater lay in critical condition. One of the Red Vic's guardians, Jack Ricks, let me in to examine the victim, his theater. It was a bright sunny day, and Ricks seemed to be in a relatively cheerful mood, despite the recent tragedy. Hey, are you Jamie? Yeah. Hey, I'm Jack. Nice to meet you. Once inside, Ricks explained they were doing some emergency reconstructive surgery to help keep the Red Vic alive. This is the old Red Vic auditorium. The, the permanent fixed seats have all been taken out. Back in the projection room, the heart of the theater, Ricks explained the Red Vic had a bum ticker. We're finding we, we need to um, take out the old Red Vic projector, the 35 millimeter. Um, apparently, what they're saying is they're going to quit making 35 millimeter movies as of next year. They are the Hollywood movie industry, Tinseltown. And when they go digital... It's going to be all digital everywhere. A brand new digital projector for the Red Vic could easily cost $70,000, an expensive procedure with a small chance of success in this case. As I poked around in dusty corners of the old theater, one fact became clear. The Red Vic would never be the same. I needed to know more about the theater's past, and Ricks was happy to oblige. The Red Vic was so eclectic, we played everything. Um, we would show a political documentary, then a second-run title, then uh, something crazy like The Room, The Citizen Kane of Bad Movies. Do you want me to order a pizza? Whatever, I don't care. I already ordered a pizza. <laughs> and sometimes it was high art, sometimes it was low art, but it was always film as art. But as the years rolled by, something went wrong. Toward the end, we probably had a uh, group of maybe 20 or 30 people on a good night who would still show up for the movies. The audience really kept declining. The theater was dying, slowly. But even more disturbing, 
Rick seemed to believe that the Red Vic was just the latest in a series of attacks. He pulled out the documents that appeared to prove it. This is interesting, Look at the, looking at the San Francisco moving list. There were all these downtown theaters, the Electric, the Embassy, St. Francis 1 and 2, and the Strand. Those are all gone. Um, the Alexandria is gone. The Alhambra is gone. The Balboa is still going, thank goodness. A living witness. I was on my way. The Balboa in San Francisco's Adderlands is the westernmost theater in the continental U.S. Its massive marquee shines through the fog like a beacon. And it was there, in a closet-sized office, that I found the man I was looking for. He was wearing a bowler cap and a white t-shirt. My name is Roger Paul. I am the general manager of the Balboa Theater. I asked him if he knew anyone who might want to see the Red Vic dead. You know, back in the day, uh, two, two theaters that really had a, a, a fierce competition with each other at one time were the Red Vic and the Roxy. Was that it? An inside job? A fierce rivalry between two theaters that ended with the Red Vic beaten and bloodied? No, not here. These days, independent theaters have bigger fish to fry. I think I speak for all of the theaters. We are not the competition. We are not the enemy. We are, in fact, the partisans. For us, I think it's all just a question of uh, cooperating and promoting each other as best as possible. So if they're in cahoots, who is the enemy? Did this go all the way to the top? Were the big film studios squeezing the life out of indie theaters one by one? They've always been strange bedfellows where there's been a lot of distrust. I think that the entire industry is in flux right now. None of us can coast, whether it's the studios, the exhibitors, the, the chains, the large circuits, and, and most definitely the smaller neighborhood theaters. I needed to get back to the fundamental facts of the case. The people of San Francisco love the idea of independent movie theaters, but... Warm and fuzzies don't pay the PG&E bill. You need to have regular attendance. The Balboa has tried art house movies, and it used to show double features. But Paul said that wasn't the ticket. It becomes a lesson that the quality of a movie doesn't necessarily correlate to the size of the, uh, the audience. And, you know, after you have enough busts showing all these great movies, you start to move away from them. And towards the same fare, the big chain multiplexes survive on. Blockbusters, romantic comedies, star vehicles. What's the matter? Oh, I have a headache. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. Again, you want to show the best movies that you, you can and that you're proud of, but that people want to see and that they don't look at and say, oh, that sounds great. We've got to put that on my queue. You want the response to be, that sounds great. Let's head down to the theater tonight, honey. There was something about what he said. A clue. A cue. Netflix cue. Ricks had mentioned something about home movies, too. When Netflix started mailing the videos directly to homes, I noticed that our audience shrunk a little bit. And then when they started streaming, I really noticed that it seemed like the floor dropped out. There it was, the murder weapons. Home theaters, couches, Netflix. But who was the murderer? Could we trace the trail of blood all the way back to a home entertainment service? No. DVD rentals don't kill theaters. People do. People like Jack Ricks, the oh-so-friendly caretaker of the Red Vic. I raced back to the theater and hauled him in for questioning. 
You know, I, it, it's funny. Even if you talk to people who work at movie theaters, usually we ad- admit if you if we're taking a lie detector test that we we do um, stream films and we do watch at home. There it was, the confession. It was Rick's all along. Rick's and all his movie streaming cohorts. But my charge would never stick in court. Look, Your Honor, a nation of people all not going to the movies. Throw them in the stir. No way. The only thing left to do is fight back. Arm the few remaining theaters with their own deadly weapons. Beer, wine, local food, a sense of community. As I canvassed the city, I noticed one theater was way ahead of me. For years, the Kabuki Theater in Japantown has been experimenting with the art of movie showing. The Kabuki used to be in shabby shape, an old AMC struggling to survive, but since 2006, everything in the theater has been replaced, except a few carpets. I met a woman who was behind the makeover. Uh, Nancy Gribbler, Vice President of Marketing for Sundance Cinemas. She works on behalf of a larger umbrella organization, the Sundance Group. They run the Sundance Movie Festival, a related resort, but they've also been remodeling a handful of old theaters across the country. I followed her into the theater. This is what we call the Big Kabuki, which is auditorium number one. A big screen, comfy wool seats, and upstairs, the most lethal weapon. This is our balcony bar on the third floor, and at night it opens up. Their facilities were state-of-the-art. Their battle plan, elegant. We don't have television commercials. All of the seats are reserved. Everything here is compostable, recyclable. We take a great deal of care. High class. And it's really important to us that the whole experience is pleasurable and comfortable. And you're there for that moment when the lights go down and you see a movie on the screen. It's just so magical. But every theater can't afford wool seats, liquor licenses, 3D capability. And the Kabuki makes you pay. During prime hours, it charges a $3 amenity fee per ticket on top of the price of the movie itself. That's not a sacrifice everybody is willing to make. I ran it by Roger Paul of the Balboa to see what he thought. I have heard a a lot of snarky comments about reserve seating. But, you know, the interesting thing about that, and, and even though I'm not a fan of reserve seating, is that they did something different. And I think that San Francisco theaters can learn from them. None of us, and not even the Sundance Kabuki, can uh, rely on what's worked in the past. The bodies of dead theaters are still scattered throughout the city, a testament to the need for change. The Alexandria, the Coronet, the Strand. The Ghirardelli, the Kokusai, the Mercury. I don't even remember the Mercury. The Surf. Um, that was a sad day when the Surf closed. The names ring in my ears. It's been a dark time for independent movie houses in San Francisco. But I can see a flicker in the projection booth. There's still life in the old theater. And tomorrow is another day. In San Francisco, I'm Jamie Katsufis for CrossCurrents. Currents.